Music and murder contains violence, profanity, and graphic material that may not be suitable for children or people with weak stomachs. Parental advisory is definitely recommended. This is Music and Murder, Episode 3. The Slayer Murder, the tragic story of Elise Paler. And this one, well this one hits very close to home. And I mean literally and geographically. This is the first time I get to do a case that not only happened in California, but also just 45 minutes away from where I currently live in Paso Robles. For all of you that have never heard of Paso Robles, it's on the California Central Coast. As always, this episode deals with some real life big boy shit. So if you want some watered down shit, you need to turn this off right now. Okay then, you're stuck with me. Dim the lights, sit back, let me tell you a true story that you're never going to forget. was dubbed by the media as the Slayer murder. The murderers and the victim in this case were all high school students and obviously young teenagers. Two of the murderers and the victim, 15-year-old Elise Paler, attended Arroyo Grande High School. And for any of you that aren't familiar with the little town of Arroyo Grande, it is a little town right next to the world-famous Pismo Beach in Central California. It's mostly known for being that town that you find yourself in when you miss the turnoff of Highway 1 to go to Pismo Beach. And it's also a little known for this murder, which made national attention. And now that I'm covering it on here, it'll make a little more attention again. But murders like this, dealing with innocent victims like Elise Paler, should never be forgotten. It was the summer of 1995. Specifically, July of 1995. The weather that day was dry with a few clouds, but warm and in the low 90s. And it was a beautiful day in Arroyo Grande, or as the locals call it, AG. Three teenage boys were just finishing up their band practice. Their band was called Hatred. And though this band was not known by really anybody except for other high school students, and maybe a few other locals that lived around them, it was very, very serious to them. Hatred was a very, very big deal. In fact, it was such a big deal that the band members thought that it was worth killing over. This band consisted of 15-year-old Joseph Fiorella, 15-year-old Jacob Delschmutt, and 16-year-old Royce Casey. This trio not only worshipped Satan, but they also worshipped Slayer. Yes, the band Slayer. And for those of you that don't know who Slayer is, because you've been under a rock your entire life, Slayer is considered to be a thrash metal band, but if you just read their lyrics, you'd see that they're not your typical everyday thrash metal band. Forming in 1982, in Huntington Park, California, Slayer has become one of the biggest thrash metal bands in the world 
and even though they're considered one of the big four, alongside with Metallica, Megadeth, and Anthrax, Slayer has definitely had their share of controversy. Now, Huntington Park, where they're from, is a city in the Gateway Cities District of Southeastern Los Angeles. In 2010, the city had a population of 58,000, and over half of those were people that were not born in the United States. So it's easy to say that Slayer's founding band members did not grow up with a silver spoon in their mouths. Now the band Hatred that we were talking about, the band of murderers that called themselves Hatred that really liked Slayer, they took Slayer's lyrics to heart quite a bit. So what I'd like to do now is I'm going to read you some parts of every song from the Slayer record, Divine Intervention, that just came out 10 months before the murder to give you somewhat of an idea of what they were reading and listening to and taking to heart before they decided to kill young Elise Paler. One thing I want to point out before I read these lyrics, I am personally a Slayer fan. I know pretty much every one of their songs on guitar. I know a lot of their lyrics and I by no means am saying these lyrics because I think that they are responsible for what happened to Elise Paler. I just want to be clear about what these lyrics entail, what they say, and how maybe a 15-year-old mind could misconstrue a song with reality. Song 1, Killing Fields. Action. Reaction. Bloodline is not immune to the depth of human nature inside of me and you. A sociopath with empty eyes and no soul. Paranoid, psychotic, heart of stone, my blood runs cold. A choice is made of free will, just like the choice to kill. In the speed of the moment, life stands still. Now you're standing in my killing field. This song in particular, I think kind of stands out amongst the rest because Elise Paler was killed in a field. Song two, sex, murder, art. You are nothing an object of animation, a subjective mannequin beaten into submission, raping again and again, shackled my princess, dangling in distress, here to discipline, my sole purpose never ends, bleeding on your knees, my satisfaction is what I need, the urge to take my fist and violate every orifice. Now we will get into this later, but this song actually has a little part in it that says raping again and again. Elise Paler was raped at the scene, and she was raped later on, days later. Song three, fictional reality. Suicidal hierarchy racing in reverse. Everything that's done today will be tomorrow's curse. 
Screams in my head precede your death. Can't hold the rage when the truth is shed. Blind lead the blind, line after line, in a world too shallow to defy. Treachery, misery, violence, insanity, scavengers closing in, covering the truth again, castrate society. Song number four, Ditto Head. Anyone can be set free on a technicality. Explain the law again to me. Here in 1994, things are different than before. Violence is what we adore. Invitation to the game, guns and blades and media fame, every day more of the same. Murder, mayhem, anarchy, now we're all done legally. Mastermind your killing spree. Unafraid of punishment, with passive government, there's nothing for you to regret. Nothing to regret. Song number five, Divine Intervention, which is the title track for the record. Violated, naked before you I stand, shattered shrine of flesh and bone, God's piercing through my soul, segments of my life, morbid pieces of reality, twisted personality, many faces yet faceless, familiar things give way to strange, no mercy, no reason, just pain, fatal, subconscious control, threshold of pain unfolds, transfixed martyr, saving race, who am I to judge thy grace, awaken in a web like hell, how did I reach this place, why are they haunting me, I cannot look at God's face, blind my eyes, I cannot see what is being done to me, in my mind is only pain, all the memories are drained. Song number six, Circle of Beliefs. Your systematic way of life decided for you every night. Intentional conflicting words avoid solidity. Blinded by the holy light that constantly consumes your mind. Circle of beliefs, secrets never keep. Living in a lie right before your eyes. Burning in my wake, souls are free to take. You're following a fake. Everyone awake. Song number seven, SS-3. Ancient crown placed on your head. The hangman of Prague. Seven keys to the chamber, surrendered to the god. Hunting, fighting, killing whore, wade through blood and bleed some more, hunting, fighting, killing whore, wade through blood and spill some more. Song number eight, Serenity and Murder. And I do believe that this one definitely holds some significance. Let me take you down 
without a sound, dead before you hit the ground. Blood washes my hand, can't understand, sterilizing my pain. Peaceful and serene, slowly bleeding, eyes once bright are now fading. Pallid ashen face against my skin, staring blindly at some distant place. Washed away by crimson tide, by my hand I keep testing time. Straight flesh lace adorns your neck, spilling your blood all over my flesh. Quench the fire that drives my soul, soothing me as death takes hold. Divine godsend enveloping me, spiritual ecstasy sets me free. Song number 9, 213. This song is about Jeffrey Dahmer and his apartment that he had in Milwaukee that was number 213. The excitement of dissection is sweet. My skin crawls with orgasmic speed, a lifeless object for my subjection, an obsession beyond your imagination, primitive instinct, a passion for flesh, primal feeding on the multitudes of death, sadistic acts, a love so true, absorbingly masticating a part of you. Erotic sensations tingle my spine, a dead body laying next to mine. Smooth blue-black lips, I start salvating as we kiss. Mine forever this sweet death, I cannot forget your soft breaths, panting excitedly with my hands around your neck. Shades are drawn, no one can see, what I've done, what's become of me. Here I stand, Above all that's been true, how I love, how I love to kill you. Song number 10, Mind Control. Penetration of the window to your soul, deterioration of the mind, no self-control. Temporarily comprehend no memories, hollow carcass of a man is all I leave. Execution but a thought in the end, slowly erasing your life and what has been passing victims in the land of secrecy. Cerebral death can come to you in your dreams. Now, I didn't read all that for shock value. I didn't read all that to make you say, what the fuck? This podcast is crazy and this guy is nuts. No, no. I read all that because this is very relevant to this case. It is very relevant to what happened to Elise. It is very relevant to the sentencing that happened after Elise's body was found, and we will get into all of that. But as of right now, as creepy as that was, I just want you to imagine the way that it sounds when you have double bass drums and crazy guitars going on. Yeah, it could be, it could be pretty overwhelming when you listen to this type of music. And I think that that's one of the appealing things to it. I think that's one of the things that I like about it. I think that it's a nice escape, but you do have to know reality from songs, reality from things that are not real. By the way, have you ever heard what happens when you play a Slayer record backwards? Well, here, let's give it a shot. What could go wrong?
Joe Exotic, I am really sorry about my last phone call, and I'm really ashamed of myself, and I just really want you and your listeners to know, I never tried to kill Carol motherfucking Baskin. I did not hire some toothless motherfucking meth addict to kill Carol Baskin. I am sitting in here, in this Oklahoma prison, an innocent man with no tigers, no meth, no nothing, just fucking sitting in here thinking about how I didn't try to kill Carol motherfucking Baskin. So I just want you and your listeners to know that I am an innocent man and I have been convicted and I cannot ever probably even get out of this motherfucker to get taggers and meth and I am stuck here for trying to kill some bitch that I didn't even try to fucking kill. I mean to be honest I'd really like to be friends with Carol motherfucking Baskin, but she don't want to be friends with me. I've reached out. I've told her, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Carol fucking Baskin. I'm sorry that everybody thinks I tried to kill you, but I didn't try to kill you. I didn't try to kill anybody. I just want out this motherfucker. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my phone call. I think Music and Murder is a great show. And I think you're a great host, and I, I think everything, you know, is just because I'm just letting shit build up. And I do want to say that when I do get out of this motherfucker, I'm totally going to be running for president. So, just keep that in mind. Yours truly, Joe motherfucking Exotic. Oh, it's so hard to hear from Joe. Ah, oh, it breaks my heart. 
he's guilty as fuck, but, you know, it's still, I still gotta give him some credit for, for trying to get out and make us all think that we're crazy. Anyway, enough about Joe and Carol fucking Baskin. The song you heard before that was from Angie, and is a song called Smoke Weed, Eat Pussy, a very interesting little song. If you would like to get your music on this show, just email me at murdercast at mail.com. Murdercast at mail.com. And follow me on IG at music underscore murder underscore podcast. Or just look me up on Facebook, music and murder podcast with an and symbol. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate you. And without further ado, Let's get back to our story, because that's what we're here for. When we last left off, I was discussing the three teenage high school boys who lived in Arroyo Grande, California, where they had a metal band named Hatred. Their names again were Jacob Delashmute, Royce Casey, and Joseph Fiorella. Now, these three boys worshipped Satan and they also worshipped the band Slayer, which by now we all know at least a little about. Now, 15-year-old Joseph seemed to be the ringleader and wanted to murder someone more than the other two did, supposedly. He had many books on the occult and other writings that detailed how to carry out a human sacrifice. Now, the main reason why he and the other two wanted to do this was to make their band Hatred play better, faster, and to help them become professional musicians like Slayer. Now, if you've ever seen the movie with Megan Fox called Jennifer's Body, you've likely seen this scenario because that movie was loosely based on Elise Paler's murder. Though in the movie, Megan Fox doesn't actually die. She just becomes a flesh-eating zombie because when the band tries to sacrifice her, it doesn't work because she wasn't really a virgin. She just told them that to try to stay alive. The Hatred Trio didn't just worship Satan and Slayer. They also openly stated that they used meth and LSD on a regular basis. And obviously they drank and pretty much did whatever their little 15-year-old hands could get a hold of. Now let's shift a little bit and let's talk a second about Elise Paler. Elise was born on April 24th, 1980. Now sources say that Elise wasn't a saint and she did dab a little bit and smoking a little bit of pot and drinking and Things that most high school kids do, but definitely nothing serious. Heather Peterson, a high school friend of Paler's, told the Hanford Centennial that Elise wasn't popular in school and she was known for hanging out with kids that used drugs and worshipped Satan. Which I find kind of weird because I did go to school back then and I do not remember many kids in high school openly worshipping Satan, but I didn't grow up in the little town of Arroyo Grande, apparently. 
Now, her family stated that she was definitely not on the drugs or had anything to do with the occult or people that worship Satan. But we do know that she did kind of hang out with these guys that were in hatred. And uh, we also know that in 1995, it was a whole different world. And sometimes families didn't always know everything that was going on. Nowadays, they don't even know what's going on. But back then, there was even a little more freedom without phones and tracking and all the shit that we have now. But after reading up on Elise and researching this case, I do believe her family. And I think that she was a very nice and good-spirited all-American high school girl. And I'm not just saying that because she was murdered. It does seem that her family was pretty much right about her. Now, Elise had three younger siblings. She had a sister named Jenny Lee, a sister named Christina, and her brother named Ryan. Her obituary read that she loved God and his beautiful world, and she loved her friends and family. Elise was also really big into sewing, playing tennis, and was very active in her church. And she even won some trophies for her tennis skills, which I think is pretty cool. She was also into poetry, the arts, and she planned someday to become an actress. On the evening of July 22nd, 1995, Elisa just finished up watching a classic movie called Paint Your Wagon with Her Parents. Around 10 p.m., the phone rang and she answered it. She quickly yelled to her parents that she was going to bed. She put pillows under her covers in case her parents checked on her. And then, then she just snuck out of her bedroom window. That was the last time any of Elise's family had ever seen her alive. The three boys from the band Hatred had called her on the phone and lured her out of the house with the promise of smoking weed with her. Being that she obviously wasn't a huge pothead, she probably just really wanted to fit in and hang out with some people her own age. Her dad said in a statement to the police that he knew something was wrong and he just ignored it which has probably really seriously messed with his head. I can't imagine the pain that he's gone through from this. The Christmas after Elise was murdered and missing, which was the Christmas of 1995, the whole family was staying positive and hoping to hear from Elise. Of course, they didn't hear from her, but it's just devastating that even at that time, they didn't know what happened to her or where she was. And now we come to the part of the story that is never fun to discuss, but is obviously essential to this horrifying case. On July 22nd, 1995, sometime after 10 p.m., Elise Paler was lured from her house to a eucalyptus grove that was literally just a quarter mile away from her house. According to the three boys, they lured her there with the promise of smoking some weed with her. They chose this particular spot because they really actually believed that this eucalyptus grove was a portal or an altar to hell and a perfect place for a human sacrifice to Satan. After they all smoked out together, the boys pulled out a hunting knife and forced her to a secluded spot in the middle of several trees. At that time, Jacob took off his belt, wrapped it around her neck, and began trying to strangle her to death. After she was on the ground gasping for breath from being strangled, the three boys then began to stab her. First she was stabbed by Joseph Fiorella, 
and then Jacob stabbed her, and finally Roy stabbed her. Probably exactly how they planned it all out when they were methed out at their band practices literally a hundred times before this. After they all passed the hunting knife around to make sure that they all took a turn stabbing this poor girl, they then started jumping and stomping all over her neck and head. So yeah, all together, 15-year-old Elise Paler was strangled and then stabbed 12 times, and then she had her neck and head brutally stomped on by all three of them. And if that wasn't enough, then she was raped while she was taking her last breath. And then her corpse was raped again and again over the next few days. This is truly one of the most tragic cases I've ever researched. And my apologies that you have to listen to this. But it did happen. And if you were her, I would think you would want others to know what happened and who did it. It was stated during the trial that while Elise was being attacked, she cried out for her mother and prayed to God. This young freshman in high school truly saw evil right before her eyes as she was leaving her body. And she still had enough sense to call out for the two things that she knew in her heart truly loved her, God and her mother. It truly is one of the most saddest things I've ever read in my life. Now this wasn't the first time that they had planned on killing Elise. It was stated that her murder was planned for over a month. The Hatred Trio and another friend, Travis Williams, were all hanging out with Elise about a month prior to her actual murder on the Mesa Ravine, and Travis Williams acted like he had fallen down the ravine, and when he did, Elise went down to help him, and Joseph Fiorella threw him a knife, the very same knife that they stabbed her with 12 times, and when he threw it to him, the three boys all started chanting, do it, do it, do it. But somehow, Travis Williams didn't do it. And I'm sure that he's thankful for that every day that he wakes up and he is not inside Corcoran State Prison along with the other three. I'm assuming that Elise must have thought that the four boys were just joking with her, being that it didn't scare her off or at least scare her enough to stay away from them in the future. According to the San Francisco Gate, the three hatred boys told detectives that they chose Elise purely because of the fact that she was a virgin and she had blonde hair and blue eyes, so they figured that would be the ultimate sin against God and give them a first-class ticket to hell. And like I said before, would make them play better and faster and put them on a professional level with Slayer and other bands that they basically worshipped. Now here is a song by Salty Dog. It's called Sacrifice, and it reminds me a little of this horrific story, and it's a great song. Check it out. Take your mind off of this shit for a second. We'll be back in a few.
It wasn't until March of 1996, which was nine months after Elise Paler was murdered, when one of the killers, the oldest of the three, Royce Casey, finally turned himself in. Allegedly, it was out of guilt and fear that his other two bandmates and fellow murderers would also kill him as well because he told them that he didn't want to kill anymore. Because even though they sacrificed young Elise Paler, their band hatred still sucked. So Jacob and Joseph wanted to continue killing helpless women. You know, like real men who deserve to be professional musicians do. And supposedly, they threatened to kill Royce if he didn't sacrifice more victims with them. After Royce turned himself in, he took the San Luis Obispo Sheriff's Department to Elise's body. She was found still lying in the same spot in the Eucalyptus Grove in Napomo, just a quarter mile away from her house. It is documented that each one of the three boys actually told two other people about murdering Elise, and not one single person came forward. Not one single person called the police and not one single person ever came across her decaying body in literally nine months. She was partially mummified when she was recovered, but at least she was found and given a proper burial. And I did see something on the news just the other day where many people came together and celebrated her life, and they are making sure that she is not forgotten. As for the three hatred boys, they were all sentenced to 25 to life. In 1996, the Paler family filed a lawsuit against the band Slayer and their record label, and a few other record labels as well, stating that the lyrics were the cause for their daughter's death. The main Slayer songs that were named in the case were Postmortem and Dead Skin Mask, which were not part of the lyrics that I read in the beginning of this episode. So let that sink in. Those ones that I read weren't even the bad lyrics. The case was thrown out when the judge residing over the case stated, and I quote, there's not a legal position that could be taken that would make Slayer responsible for the girl's death. Where do you draw the line? You might as well start looking through the library at every book on the shelf, end quote. I have to say that I do agree with that. Undeterred, the Palers filed a second lawsuit claiming that Slayer knowingly distributed harmful material to minors. But this case was also dismissed. The judge E. Jeffrey Burke stated, and I quote, I do not consider Slayer's music obscene, indecent, or harmful to minors, end quote. It may be only folklore, but it was rumored that he actually had on a Slayer shirt under his robe haunting the chapel, to be perfectly specific. During an interview with the Washington Post, Jacob Delashmute stated that the music was destructive, but it had absolutely nothing to do with Elise's death. He stated that she was murdered because Joe Fiorella was obsessed with her and obsessed with killing her. Nobody but those three will ever know the complete truth. To me, I think they did kill her to try to sacrifice her to Satan. I think that they just later matured, grew up a bit, 
and realized how stupid that sounded and decided to switch it up a bit. Royce, the one who turned himself in and helped police find Elisa's body, is up for parole right now in July of 2021. He says that if and when he gets out, he wants to move to Los Angeles and become a drug counselor. I think that people do change, but I'm not sure that I'm on board with him being paroled. I'll just leave that up to the professionals. It is my opinion, though, that the band Slayer was actually not real living, breathing devil worshippers. It is also a fact that when they began, they were a cover band that played songs from bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. They saw that kids and people, and mostly kids, who actually bought music and concert tickets were going crazy over this so-called devil music. And they figured they could outdo everyone in that genre, which they did. Maybe they're not God-fearing Christians. No matter what they believe or don't believe religion-wise, they aren't broke. They've been laughing all the way to the bank for quite some time. And you know what? Good for them. They deserve it because they're a badass, original-sounding band. They've done songs with the Beastie Boys and even Ice-T, and even if you don't like them, they still deserve respect. Oh, and one last thing about Slayer, they never did have to sacrifice anyone or anything to get to where they are. They simply practiced their ass off and had a vision and didn't change who they were no matter how many people talked shit or how many people sued them, as it should be. They're a band. In closing, I want to thank you for your time and for listening to me. My name is Michael, and it has been a pleasure. If you like the show, please give it good feedback and follow it on IG at murder underscore music underscore podcast or on Facebook, murder and music podcast until next time if your band sucks practice more and take lessons and always remember just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that they're not really out to get you and please stick around for the after show discussion it should be interesting at least entertaining and funny this is a song called forsaken from the band athens to ashes but right before I play this song, here's a little clip from KSBY News, just to help you kind of make up your mind about how you feel about Royce getting out of prison. It's a story that gained national attention in the mid-1990s, and it's now back in the spotlight. We're learning that one of the three teens convicted of the murder of 15-year-old Elise Paler of Arroyo Grande in July of 1995 was recently granted parole suitability. Royce Casey was the oldest of the three. He was 17 years old at the time of Paler's murder. Jacob DeLashmet was 16 years old and Joseph Fiorella was 15. They've been behind bars for more than two decades now, but Casey may be given another shot at life outside his prison cell. Now that he's been granted parole suitability, the Board of Parole Hearings staff has 90 days to look at the facts, and then the governor has 30 days to review it and decide what's next. KSBY News reporter Alexa Bertola has more on this case from the San Luis Obispo County Courthouse. 
Royce Casey could be released from Valley State Prison in Chowchilla as soon as this summer. Now District Attorney Dan Dow has since penned this letter to Governor Gavin Newsom asking him to deny Casey parole. It's one of the worst crimes I've ever um, read about, quite frankly. 15-year-old Elise Paler was brutally murdered in July of 1995. The three boys responsible, Royce Casey, Jacob DeLashmid, and Joseph Fiorella, followed the lyrics to a death metal band. So they really felt strongly that, you know, they needed to sacrifice a blonde-haired, blue-eyed virgin girl and that, that would help them in their music careers. Eight months later, Casey led authorities to Paler's remains on the Napomo Mesa, just a quarter mile from her parents' home. All three were sentenced to 25 years to life, and now Casey could soon be released from prison. The family feels okay about Royce getting out. He's shown remorse, he's been apologetic and he's done everything right and really tried to reform himself. According to the victim's family lawyer, Alan Hutkin, Casey has been an honor inmate and earned a college degree. <laughs> District Attorney Dan Dow is fighting his potential release. In this letter to Governor Gavin Newsom, he says, quote, Casey still has not developed insight into the character defects that allowed him to participate in such a hideous crime. Our community um, really deserves to know that this person, before he's released, has been not only rehabilitated, but he understands and accepts the weight of the responsibility that he had as the oldest of the three uh, juveniles that uh, brutally murdered Elise Paler. I reached out to Casey in prison, but I have not yet heard back. I'm told if he is released, his plans are to move to L.A. and work in drug counseling. In San Luis Obispo, Alexa Bertola, KSBY News. We reached out to Royce Casey's lawyer who sent us this statement. Had we known then what we know now about adolescent brain development, Royce's case would likely have remained in the juvenile justice system. Nevertheless, his transformation over the past 24 years has been the most genuine and profound that I have ever witnessed. He has so much to offer. I look forward to learning more from him. And the two others convicted of murdering Elise Paler have paroled suitability hearings within the next three years.
Okay, so we are back. This is the uh, after-school talk about the episode. I'm here with my cousin Mike, who is also a musician, and he has a YouTube channel and stuff like that. Go ahead and plug that shit and uh, tell him your last name and everything. I don't even know how to actually pronounce your last name without butchering it. So is it Carosa? Carososa, yeah. Okay, okay. Carososa. Okay. So... Mike well, has a YouTube channel. Go, go, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and talk about that. that. Go ahead and talk about that real fast. Okay. Uh, yeah, like uh, Mike said, you're uh, a musician probably since the '90s. I started, you know, playing in bands and whatnot. And currently, I'm in a uh, cover band that does mashups and, and renditions called uh, Match Hysteria. But because of the pandemic and stuff, of course, we're not doing uh, any gigs right now. So that's on hiatus. And uh, my big passion right now is my YouTube channel. Mike mentioned, uh, and it's on the other realm of things. It's a actual comedy restaurant review channel called The Epic Desk, where uh, me and my buddy Joey dine out. We review restaurants and we, you know, taco trucks to, you know, fine dining and everything in between and uh, just kind of do fun each other and uh, do funny versions of the typical you know food review channel so. and he's a fucking just, food just, snob too so he actually knows what he's talking about a little bit if you watch yeah. his instagram and facebook and stuff it, I, don't, I don't know do you have an instagram i know you have a facebook but i always see you post pictures of food and everything yeah actually the only instagram i really have is the um epic desk and so you can look, look us up on that and uh it's called just it's just the epic desk on instagram and uh same as the youtube channel so you can click on How one do you of those spell that? You'll get to there. Uh, what's the epic desk? Oh, it's uh, epic, just, uh, epic desk, epic desk. Yeah, okay. epic desk. Yeah. And for anybody listening, I I have something really fucking crazy going on with this. I actually have Mike coming through a speaker, and we're both going through the same microphone because he's in Fresno and I'm in Paso Robles, and we're like two and a half hours apart. And I tried lots of different apps and Zoom and all that shit to record stuff, and I cannot stand the way that things sound. So I'm trying this on this one and we'll see how it goes, but he's actually coming out of a speaker. So if he sounds a little different than me, that's because I'm here by the microphone and he's coming through a speaker. Yeah, so Epic Desk, that's that's what yeah. that's what he has going on. And uh, funny thing about when, uh, so I remember you when we, were, when we were kids and stuff like that, and then it took me a little while because I was always drunk whenever I saw Bass Curve play. Uh, it took me a little while to figure out that that was actually my cousin, to be exact, my second cousin, playing fucking bass in that band. <laughs> yeah, I was in the same boat because I remember you had walked up to me and um, I, I don't even remember where it was, but you introduced yourself and I was kind of like, who? And then you, because we hadn't seen each other. I haven't seen each other in fucking probably 15, 20 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you, you know, you said your mom was and, and I'm like, oh, oh, you know, shit, I remember you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was funny because we probably did some gigs together. Yeah, uh, we well, did. I think we did two or three at Beer Hunter. For sure, we were playing all the time, so yeah. And you but, had some crazy, like, uh, you were doing, like, a, a kind of like a Rush thing, right? Like a Getty Lee thing. Like, you actually had, like, some synthesizers, some foot synthesizers going while you were playing bass. Yeah, I, I, I did that to uh, fill up the, you know, the, the background noise. And, and, yeah, you know, I obviously got the idea from Rush. And I'm like, that's such a good idea. Why doesn't every band do that? I don't it, understand. It's, it it really is. People were saying, you know, I'm not, you know, we're kind of old school with the rockers and, you know, like keyboards. At least, you know, when I was growing up, that wasn't the cool instrument to have in the band. It was always kind of cheesy. You know oh, yeah. I mean? 
Yeah. So uh, I, I thought this would be a good way to. to and who the fuck knows the keyboard without looking? You know. Who the fuck knows the keyboard players of any band? It's like who? What's the keyboard player of Bon Jovi or some fucking shit? It's like nobody knows the keyboard players unless yeah. unless you're like Billy Joel or you're Elton John playing piano. I mean, it's like the keyboard players. I, I don't even think that the keyboard players even got laid. Like they just they, they were like there with the, they were like there with the roadies. I think like. Okay, yeah, well, maybe I'll screw you to get to the singer or the guitarist or the drummer or the bass player, but, yeah, the keyboard players yeah, always got they, fucked. Yeah, they, they always seem to be the guys who dress the most flamboyant and the most makeup. <laughs> yeah. You, you well, I mean? Sticks had a keyboard. Their, their singer was a keyboard player, so... And, yeah. And it seems like Axl Rose played piano, but I don't think he really played piano. I think he just played piano on videos. Do you know anything yeah, about that? Was yeah, he actually a piano player? Before, uh, videos. All right, so two things I want to point out about the uh, retractions I want to make about the actual episode, because Mike has listened to the episode. He's the only one that's listened to the episode so far, because he had to listen to it so we could talk about it. At the end, I actually say the Instagram and the Facebook wrong. I said murder, then music. (laughs) So I'm a fucking idiot. It's actually, my Instagram is music underscore murder underscore podcast. And if you follow me, I will follow you back on there. And my Facebook is Music and Murder Podcast. So if you just type that in with the and symbol, not the word and, you could find me on that. So I fucked that up. I'm not going to go back and change that because, frankly, I don't really care. I, I, I did say it once right in the very beginning. So, And a second thing, I played a clip towards the end that was the news, uh, KSBY, local news over here by where I live, and they said that the ages of the kids, the, the hatred kids were 15, 16, and 17. And every yeah. fucking thing that I read, and I read like a lot of different shit, said that they were, they were both 15, two of them were 15. And then the, the guy, Royce, that's getting ready to get out of prison, well, likely he's, he's already been granted parole. It just de- depends on if Newsom's going to let him out or not. But uh, it said that he was 16. And on the news thing, it said that one of them was 15, 16, and 17. So that, that wasn't on me. And I think that because 1995, being that they were, that they were actually um, that they were minors, I think that a lot of that just got fucked up. How I even got pictures of them when they got arrested, I don't even know, because I got to post that on my Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, and uh, that that's really weird, because you don't get to see stuff from minors. Yeah, and you know what, too, though, and, and that news report's, you know, current, you know, when they had them back then, so it could have been just a little misinfor- you know, misinformation on their part that the new, you know, that, that new uh, broadcasting... Yeah, I think that they actually knows. said their ages. What, what, what I really think happened is they didn't say the ages of when she was actually killed. I think that they said the ages of when they were actually arrested, which they weren't arrested for nine months after they killed her because the poor the poor girl's body set in, in, in that uh, eucalyptus grove for nine months. Nine months yeah. right up the street from her house. And supposedly, I, I, didn't, I didn't come from AG or anything like that, but supposedly that's kind of a, uh, like a party spot for high school kids. So how nobody had ever found her over there for nine months, I, I, don't, I don't know. But that's my, my take on it. I think, that, uh, I think that they were 15 and 16 whenever she was actually killed. And I think that they were 15, 16, and 17 when they were arrested, you know, eight, eight nine months later. Yeah, that sounds like a possibility for sure. So, so some people, you know, a lot of people just listen to things they try to, to hate and fucking like be dicks about things. So I don't want to hear about that. If you're listening to this and you catch those two little things that are wrong, 
I don't give a fuck. Did my research. I always do my research. I'm very meticulous about what I say. I listen to a lot of podcasts where people are full of shit. They watch a documentary and then they talk about it. I am not that guy. I am researching this this case. So I was not wrong on that as far as I know. So anyway, so what what did you think about the case? What were your actually like like first thoughts of like after you after you realized everything that was going on? I mean, what was your kind of kind of take on it? Oh, it was really interesting, man. Because because. This one hit close to home, and, and, and what I mean by that is that because of the when we you and I grew up, a lot of bands were just getting that first dose of oh these bands worship Satan and stuff like that. The devil and music so phase, yeah. I can I can relate to that because back then it was a big like uh, Kiss was the first band my first band I ever really got into had all the posters and oh yeah I saw them when I was six years old until it was Kiss right and I, you probably remember this and uh, the media was always all oh yeah Kiss stands for like kings in satan's service or knights in satan's service yeah stupid fucking shit yeah and so as i've listened to this and and talking you know that was the first thing that stood out was the bands that you know are you know worship satan and and i'm like do they really because like back then every band that came out wasp was uh what was that uh we are satan's people um you know and you know they looked apart i get it that's when it started kind of going like oh we're just you know but like even as a kid i kind of knew that was just like image you know but that was the, the big thing they tried to put all the bands in it even rush my favorite band uh, i remember hearing oh yeah they're, they're uh you know they worship the devil it stands for rules under satan's hand you know and, I and that was probably their pr person that put that out i don't so, but so that's the main thing that popped up as i listened to the story but then my mind just got boggled on the fact that these kids you know would would listen to that this uh music from slayer which I don't listen to a lot of that real heavy stuff, but you read the lyrics and answer me this. In their other albums, do they ever talk about actual Satan and, and the devil? Oh, yeah. I mean, had any of that. Yeah, they're like, they're, I can't remember if it was Haunting the Chapel or if it was uh, Hell Awaits, but they had some albums come out on Metal Blade Records, like in the beginning of the 80s. And I mean, some of that stuff, like you you can't even understand any of it, but then you could just hear, praise hell Satan, you know, some shit like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you caught it during the episode, but I talked a little bit about, because I went, this this story I really researched a lot. I researched the fuck out of, out of Slayer and everything. And, and Slayer was actually a cover band for a while. You know, Carrie yeah, King, Carrie yeah. King, and them they were they were playing Judas Priest and Iron Maiden like everybody else, and then they they saw this niche. You know, it was like, hey, all we got to do is just say that we worship Satan, and you know, we're gonna fucking be huge. And you know, maybe maybe they did live live a satanic lifestyle as far as like being pagans and like maybe open sex, and they did a lot of drugs, and maybe they didn't mind violence or whatever, but. I doubt very seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And what I was going to say is it's been, as far as like, I mean, I've studied criminology for for years. I have a degree and I'm getting ready to start grad school in criminology. So I've studied these fucking cases for a long time. And it's like my take on people that worship Satan, that really worship Satan and really draw blood and do the sacrifices with rabbits or cats or whatever, usually these motherfuckers aren't singing about it. They're usually people that are at your local church. They're usually people that are hiding in plain sight. They're not going to say that they worship Satan. They're not going to have a fucking, you know, a a satanic pentagram tattooed on their forehead. You're not going to see them. 
you right. know, you know, the bullhorn on the corner, you know, saying, you know, Satan rules and this and that. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, um, Slayer probably wakes up and has protein shakes and probably goes to the gym and does yoga and shit. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> especially now, you know, well, now they're they're uh, they're retired, but I know that they were a rowdy bunch. I have a lot of friends that that grew up around that that scene uh, with Testament and you know a lot of these bands shared practice spaces and stuff in L.A. and you know Slayer Slayer definitely was no choir boys. I'm definitely not saying that, but as far as like practicing anything they sang about i i highly fucking doubt that yeah to me i i, I don't see that very plausible i just it's an image it's an act they put on you know they, they have, especially because because music are so tough you got to find a, a a niche and you gotta you know excel in that niche you know what i mean just yeah. like like the, the the hardcore rapper guys and stuff like that you, you think all those guys you know some absolutely you know really did come up with streets i get it hey 50 cent was shot nine times but he's pretended to yeah, 50, 50 Cent was shot like nine times, but most of them haven't been shot. Most of them didn't grow up like that. And it takes, you know, for anybody that's not ever ever been in the music industry, it takes fucking a lot of money, you know. So yeah. if you really did grow up in the ghetto and stuff like that, unless you're going to be Jay-Z and you're going to be you're going to be selling fucking kilos, you're not really going to have the money to put behind you. So a lot of these are just rich people. Like Vanilla Ice was one of the first ones that was actually perpetrating that he was from the streets but no he was a he was a little rich white kid you know yeah it, it, <laughs> it you know i mean that's just the way that it is but uh yeah so uh, uh as far as like them worshiping the devil but i think that their lyrics are are pretty powerful you know i mean they ha- they use a lot of big words oh yeah yeah it's, it's the, the lyrics as i listened to you read them i was like this is just kind of disturbing to you too i honestly i was like I was driving to work up and listening to it, and after you cut and talking all that, I'm glad you took a little break because I was like, "Man, I'm like, yeah, this is not putting me in a good mood." Yeah, I'm just gonna turn this shit off. Like, I gotta question someone's mental, uh, you know, placement if you're writing something like this, because you got to be a really fictitious writer to just say, you know what, I'm gonna, you know, if you want to project yourself as another person, like I'm gonna write this into in the words of like a serial killer or whatever yeah, it's like musical yeah, stephen do, king you know? it's like musical stephen king i mean like literally but you read their lyrics and you could tell they're not fucking stupid you know they're using no, words no. that most stupid people that actually think that they're going to worship satan and stuff wouldn't even be able to they, they don't even comprehend what those words mean they don't even fucking know so it's like they, they it's the the people that wrote for slayer and usually i i, I believe that uh i believe that the bass player oh god i can't remember his name right now but him and, and Jeff Hanneman, you know, wrote a lot of the lyrics, and I think Kerry King wrote some too. But the whole band wrote a little, a little bit. And Dave Lombardo, right. the uh, the drummer, who actually that album was the first album that Dave Lombardo wasn't on, and that's and I think that you know he he was doing a lot of writing and stuff too. But one thing about the songs, they they kind of all kind of run together. You know, it's kind of just the same scenario: kill, fuck, right. fight, bleed, sacrifice, blah blah blah. It's like it. Not a lot of them made a lot of sense, but Seasons of the Abyss and certain Slayer albums, because I, I know like all their albums and everything, and mm-hmm. certain albums make more sense than, than other ones. But uh, it, yeah, it's, it's all really, really well thought out evil stuff. And uh, if, you're, if you're a stupid 15-year-old kid that's trying to make it in the music industry, I could kind of see thinking that maybe you might be able to make some of that shit come true. But, you know, I mean, who so the fuck? That, that's perfect because I was going to ask you this question. You led right into it. Now, the, the kids, how did they come up with this idea that sacrificing somebody would give them, you know, the, the, the like Satan would grant them 
you know, uh, you now you guys can play good music or, you know, your, improve your ability and make you successful. I mean, we've all heard, heard the stories about selling your soul and all that stuff. But what I'm getting at is, did they get up from the, the, um, the Slayer lyrics? But Because I know you said he had a bunch of, like, uh, you know, satanic books and stuff. Did, did anywhere I'm, at any time, did any of them say, yeah, I, I read this book and it said if you, you sacrifice somebody in the name of Satan that you'd be granted these gifts? Was that anywhere in the I this? did not find anything definitive. Now, the only thing that was definitive, that was definitive as fuck because it was actually named in the lawsuit that the uh, that the Paler family brought up against Slayer, and that was the the lyrics to Post Mortem. And Post Mortem yeah. doesn't just come out and say sacrifice somebody and you're going to get a record deal, but it does glorify sacrificing you know a human. And then the other one was Dead Skin Mask, which was actually written about Ed Gain for the most part because he would actually cut off women's body parts and wear them. Ed Gain was also you know one of the people that uh, Silence of the Lambs was written about as well. Oh yeah yeah and, yeah. Uh, okay, so, that sounds just like that. Okay. Yeah so Dead Skin Mask was actually talked about that but I don't know whether they picked Dead Skin Mask. I know why they picked Postmortem and I didn't want to read the lyrics to every Slayer song. I just figured that since these guys were so in the Slayer and basically worship Slayer that it was kind of relevant that that album had just came out before they actually did the killing. So that's the only reason why I just kind of read those lyrics. Those lyrics by no means were the worst Slayer lyrics you could find, obviously. It just, it just that that, was, right. that record was released right around the same time as, as uh, Elise Paler's death. Now, I wonder if they you know, were like, hey, you know, Slayer's into sacrifice and stuff like that. So maybe if we do that, Satan will, you know, maybe like it was their own idea that they came up with a, a scenario they wrote. They, maybe if we sacrifice this, that'll tease Satan and he'll make us successful. And I could see a 15-year-old, you know, with that kind of imagination for sure. Cause you kind of, you know, you're young and totally. you know, especially you're, you're in this kind of environment. I could see that being, you know, maybe that's how they came up with it, you know. Now, now uh, the, the one... Uh Oh God! What was the kid's name? Jacob Jacob Delschmute. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm sure I butcher it every time I fucking say it. And I think the news did too. But uh, it, he said that Joe Fiorella was actually obsessed with her, and he said this later on after he was arrested, obviously, and in prison and stuff. But uh, I think that a little bit of that, I think a little bit of that was true. That that's kind of the reason why they chose her. But I mean, you're, you're talking about people that are like listening to the to to Slayer's lyrics, which, by the way. Slayer's not a death metal band. I don't know why the news keeps saying that. They're a thrash metal band, but they do have very, very horrific lyrics. But I could I could see them just being all methed out at fucking band practice, and they suck. So they're like, hey, what can we do to get better? Oh, well, let's kill this chick that I'm obsessed with that I've been trying to fuck, and she doesn't want nothing to do with me. You know, so I, I think that there was a little bit of the aspect of that, too. You know, but I, I don't think that it was just a 100% that, because... They, they told other people about it, too. I mean, that was kind of... I did mention that, but I could have went into a little more detail about that. They did mention to other people and basically brag that they killed this girl. You know, I don't know if they told everybody where the, where her body was or anything like that, but they did tell other people that they killed her and, and that they did this and that and that they raped her and stuff like that. And people came forward after Elise was found and said... Boy, they did tell me about this. I thought that they were just fucking around. You know, this, How this girl... How far away was the body from the, the house? Do you know? A quarter mile. Exactly a quarter mile. From her house? From her house, yeah. Did, did, did they not do like... That, this is another thing that, as I was listening to it, I was like, how did they not like search 
because you you see these movies all the time when they're when someone goes missing, they get the the, the yeah. townspeople together and, and you know, or at least the sheriff's department or whatever, and they they you know, couple mile you know kind of search. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they, no, they, they do that. I have no idea if they searched. Yeah. I, I do know one thing that I do know is that the family thought that she had just taken off, that she had right. just uh, that she just like basically ran away. Oh. You know, so maybe they they were just kind of going with that. Like the, the Christmas thing that I said was was real. Like family was just they they were really just hoping that she was alive. I don't know what kind of search that they did. So I mean, these kids you know, are running around telling people that they killed her and everything, and maybe they didn't say that they killed Elise Paler. Maybe they just said that they sacrificed a, a girl, and everybody's like, oh, "These stupid fucking death metal meth heads," you know? I, I, right. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, or you, you know, and, and think about it too. You're a teenage kid, and and someone in your school goes missing, you know, and you're saying, "Hey, yeah, you know what? She's missing because we killed her." You probably like, "Yeah, sure, you did, idiot," you know, like. No, you didn't. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I've known you since you were five. You know, you didn't kill nobody. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there was that Travis Williams kid, which I cannot find anything else on her. Uh, I mean, on him, except for the fact that that it was said that they were that he was actually told to stab her before they were all four hanging out and uh well actually all five because elise was still alive and they yeah. were trying to get they were trying to get travis williams to stab her and he didn't stab her so i mean it's like he had to have known you know i mean like growing up i mean you don't want to be a snitch and you know you're hanging out with these kids but i mean when you hear that a, a girl has been like stabbed and stomped and fucking raped and then her corpse was raped and stuff like that i mean there's got to be a point to where you just got to say you know hey i have to i have to like do something about this you know i, I don't yeah. know I, I tried to put myself in that situation at being 15 and like i i, I don't know i don't know i don't know what i would have done but i, I don't know I, yeah. it seems like somebody would have done something you know well yeah but so she obviously knew guys because you know they hung out more than than once you know obviously at least twice that's on record you know from the, the story so you know did she like one of the boys you know i'm, I'm just curious you know i know you i don't have the answer to that but you know like why is a teenage girl hanging out with you know three little metal guys like said most that are like you know getting her high and that's why she wanted to hang out with them or whatever but i don't know it just seems weird you know like like it, i feel like they're they, they had to have something going on a little bit more than that. In my yeah, opinion. it definitely wasn't because it definitely wasn't because she was this big fucking pothead and she needed to smoke weed, so she just got out of the house. I mean, mm -hmm. supposedly that's what the kids told the the detectives is that they lured her out with with uh, the promise of smoking weed with her, and supposedly they did smoke weed with her. But you know, other than that, I I, I don't I don't know. I don't know why she would have hung out with him. I mean, supposedly she was a virgin. That's the reason main reason why they they sacrificed her is because she was a blonde haired, blue eyed virgin. Virgin, but you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of questions, and uh, I'd really like to talk to to, to one of them. And you know, what, now, what do you think? I know you're going to get into this. What do you think about the guy who's being released? What, what are your thoughts on that? Like I said, I, I I don't know. I mean, people do change. I have a lot of friends that did a lot of stupid shit, but I mean, sacrificing a girl and stomping on her neck and then raping her corpse—that's you know, you got to be a little fucked up in the head. To do yeah. that, that's not like, hey, I, I, you know, sold some drugs or I did this or got in a fight and stabbed some dude because I was drunk. I mean, like they, they literally planned this out, and even at the age of fifteen, and 
And supposedly, according to the news, Royce was 17 when this happened. And my sources yeah. said that he was 16. I mean, you got to be a pretty fucked up person. But at the same time, at the same time, you got to keep this in mind. He is the one that turned everybody in, including himself. He came forward. The cops yeah. never knew anything about any of them doing this. He came forward. He, he made sure that she was found by her parents, supposedly in... in, in uh, in prison he got a college degree he's been in contact with the family the family that's one thing that gets me is that the family literally is saying that he should be paroled they are forgiving for what he did and wow. if her parents can forgive him and say that he should be paroled i mean yes. who am i to say that he shouldn't i think out of, out of all three cases first off you know they're all evil and and you know just fucked up people you know so that's why i stand on that and and you know if they never got let out that'd be fine with me but out of the three, you know, I think that you know we're in agreement here. You know, the one that should or, or could be paroled is this guy because he's the one who had at least a guilty conscience. He had a, he had a conscience and, and, and made what, things right. Now, whether he should be forgiven for that or not, because I was thinking about it when I was driving home and talking to you about this, and my take is okay. So he's the logical one who should be paroled out of all three of them for sure. I get that for sure. But like you brought up, it's the what kind of psyche could. Uh, you know, okay, none of what they did is forgivable, but I could see them, you know, I, I can, you know, they, they, you know, guys rape girls all the time and it's just, it's horrible. But, and to, to just do that in itself, you got to be, you know, way out there and just, you know, sick or whatever. But to do it after you've stomped this girl's face and, 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 you know, like just in neck and, and so to come back to that body after it's just mutilated like that and to, to have sex with it. That just—that's where I'm worried. Because yeah, and we don't know. Do that. We don't know exactly. Just, we don't know exactly who did exactly what either. I mean, right. the, you're going. I mean, when they found Elisa's body, it was messed up from the elements. It had been yeah. rained on. There's probably animals that were eaten on her body. I mean, they, mm -hmm. you know, there's no telling. We, we're just going off what the kids said. And yeah. uh, there's no, you know, we don't know if Royce actually came back and raped her body. That might have just been the other two. It might have been just one of them. We don't even know if right. he's the one that, that actually stomped on her. We do know that he did stab her because he did admit to that himself. But... What, one thing that could have happened because he kind of like he kind of isolated himself from the other two after it happened and uh, kind of went off and supposedly quit the band, started going to church and everything. One thing, maybe he just like thought that the whole thing was just going to be a funny joke and they were just talking shit until he actually witnessed this shit fucking happen. And then right. after it did happen, he would he just could not live with it and every day he just woke up tormented and fucked up over it and uh i mean it could have been something like that maybe he's not really guilty of so much as being an evil fucking devil worshiper as he is just hanging out with people that were kind of into that thing and he was just friends with them i you know I th there's a lot yeah. of different scenarios and and i did say during the episode i said the only people that really know what fucking actually went down and happened are those three and that's the way mm -hmm. it's always going to be tell me this and i already know the answer but this guy writes a book about it you're 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 buying that right i mean because i'd love to hear his like you said you know whether it's, it's the truth or not it'd be vastly i mean it's just so interesting rather to hear if he wrote if he wrote a book with somebody i would definitely i would definitely at least read it if not pay for it but if the other two did i don't know if i'd believe that you know yeah i mean just just <laughs> By default, he seems going to be the, the the one to listen to out of all this. You know, 
and and but, supposedly uh, the other two were like planning on still killing more fucking people you know i i put in there kind of just as a little funny thing because their band obviously still sucked because it obviously did it didn't do anything but i mean they they had no remorse after that the other two didn't you know they didn't give a fuck they didn't they didn't go tell the cops where her body was they didn't wake up and feel tormented in fact it was quite opposite they they wanted to keep on killing people you know yeah, in fact they killed other people almost boastfully it seems like, you know, that's a, another thing, like, you know, it's still no remorse, you know, to be talking about, yeah, we killed her, you know. And, uh, I mean, at what point did they realize it didn't work? Like, did he wake up in the morning? And not to make light of this, but, did, you know, like the guitar player wake up in the morning after they did it and, and goes, uh, I should be able to play, you know, 13th notes now. You know, I mean, 32, you know, 32 yeah. notes yeah. riff now. And, uh, nope, I'm no faster than I was, you know. But, yeah, you know we, I mean? we did all that for nothing. So, and uh, I guess we to go kill some more people or, you know, that's just, Jesus Christ. I mean, how do you, how, how does that, your your mentality get to that point where you believe something like that, you know? It's just it, insane to me. Yeah, it's, but I mean, you're talking about 15-year-old kids and listening to lyrics of stuff that they're trying to make real. That's just, I mean, if you listen to a Slayer song or like something like that, I mean, it's no different than watching a movie from Rob Zombie or a Stephen King movie or something. It's like, what, do you think clowns live in the manholes in the street and stuff like that? I mean, it's like yeah. you, you have to be able to take reality from things that aren't real and decipher from the two. I, I don't know. If they do let him out, they should keep a close eye on him, you know. And I don't know. I mean, like I said in the episode, it's kind of like I'll just leave that up to the uh, to the professionals because I don't really know what my opinion would be on that. It's a it's a hard crime, but at the same time, they wouldn't have solved it, and he would have never went to prison if he never turned himself in out of guilt. So that has to say right. something about his character. So you you have to yeah. take that into consideration. You can't just say, okay, this guy turned himself in because he felt so guilty, turned his life around in prison and everything, made the best of it, now he wants to get out and help other people. You can't say that one bad night with his friends when they're all fucking methed out and everything, it... it it's that he's a complete waste and that we should keep him in the yeah. prison system. But at the same time, it was a pretty fucked up thing to do, you know? And yeah. he and he could have um, came to he could have came to the cops like the next fucking day and been like, Man, I thought these guys were fucking around. So there there's there's two huge sides of the coin on this situation. Yeah, do you have faith in the the, the system that we've designed and and to to rehabilitate, you know, prisoners. Fuck I mean, no! It, oh my you know, god! This, this, this is this is the question. I mean, that we're asked all the time. But I'm using this particular you know, parole hearing. That's you know what's going to come down to. You know, do you like you said? Do you take a kid who was 15 and you know all he said messed out and everything? And uh, you know, and I could see him not coming forth right away because you're a kid. You, you, I mean, think about when we were kids. I know if I did something stupid when I was younger. I didn't come fess up right away. You know, I was scared to say anything. I, you know, if you lie about it and try to get away with it as long as you could, so you couldn't take it anymore, then you have to either confess or get caught. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, you know, so like I said, I, you brought up some very valid points. It's, it's one of those. This is, this is a tough situation. You know what I mean? I, it really is. It, it really fucking is. I mean, for for sure. But on that note, we will call it. And uh, it's been a great discussion. It's been a great episode. Um, I'm glad that you were able to uh, make the phone call with me and check out the episode and talk about it with me. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. Anytime. I was great. And like I said, this is by far my favorite episode so far. It's just, uh, I guess, just because, you know, being a musician and growing up and listening to bands and being able to uh, just, you know, blow my mind. Like, well, I would never have thought to do anything like that. I, I, I never so, heard yeah. about this episode. I, I mean, this episode. I haven't heard about this this case uh, up until about just a few months ago. 
I had no idea, yeah. you know. But I was in high school at the time, you know, when this happened, or just right out of high school when this happened. So, you know, I was yeah. kind of in my own bubble. I didn't watch the news, and I lived in Fresno at the time, so I, I was I thought the exact the same thing. I, 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 too, I was like, I don't remember hearing about this, but I was probably like, what, this happened in 90? 95. <clears throat> yeah, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was in my own world at that time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. But, okay, so you're, it was Epic Desk? Yeah, the Epic Desk. Yeah, the Epic Desk. So look up Mike on on the Epic Desk on YouTube and on Instagram. And, yeah. And uh, mine is music underscore murder underscore podcast on Instagram. If you follow me, I will follow you back. And uh, Facebook is just music and murder podcast. So please follow me on those pages. Check out Mike on Epic Desk. The Epic Desk. And uh, I will be back in a couple weeks. And uh, by the way, I am having a uh, huge mass removed off of my vocal cords in sometime in the next like month and a half. So there's going to be a period where there's going to be a couple weeks with no episode. And uh, that's because my voice is all fucked up. But, you know, it'll be better. It'll get better. And I'll be singing again because I actually sing for a living. And lately I haven't been able to make a living. So... <laughs> Life has been pretty <laughs> fucked up. It's like as soon as I come out of the uh, the end of the world COVID bullshit, then I realize that I got something wrong with my vocal cords and I can't sing, and it's just been one thing after another. Yeah, but uh, you only got the podcast, and it's going good, man. It's a good podcast, and uh, like I said, if you do take a little break, um, you know, they can kick over to the Epic Desk and check those out in the meantime. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, Mike. Well, hey, we will talk to you soon, my friend. I'm going to go ahead and hang All up right. and uh, and get to editing this and get this episode out tonight. All right. Thanks, brother. It was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Hey, thank you, my friend. Have a beautiful night. You got it. You got it. Looking forward to listening to it. See ya. And all the rest of you, thank you for hanging out this long. I appreciate it, and I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> <laughs>